All right. So, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name, and it is a privilege and an honor to be able to, to come boldly before your throne of grace to receive mercy in time of need. And if it was a throne of our works, we couldn't approach it. And if it was a throne of just human righteousness, we couldn't approach it. But God, your throne is a throne of grace. So Lord, we do boldly approach it. And we love you and thank you for that and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week was um, a vision update. It was like the business version of the, of the vision update, if you were here. But if you weren't here, just by way of review, be ready for some changes. So this is what the, the lower mire, the basement of the mire building looks like in the eyes of the architect. Okay, no, it doesn't actually look like this right now. This is all one big room right now. And we're putting in a, a wall right down the middle. It's gonna be a temporary wall. Living well class is gonna be on one side. The Spanish class is gonna be on the other side. So we're not going to meet in this room. We're going to meet down the street, which is fine because the church is not a building. The church is not a service. We are a group of people. We could meet out under a tree. We'd be just fine. Now, I'm just telling Pastor Will, you, you pick whatever side you want. We'll take the other side. So I'm just, we're just going to defer to them on that. Um, okay, so next slide. The first Sunday in June, yes, we're going to be, we're going to be doing that. So we're staying here. We'll get into that. So, so what's changing? We are going to launch the Arabic fellowship, which is both fantastic and horrible at the same time. Um, so I don't even like to think about it. So we're not going to talk about that. So kid town needs this space is why we're moving because our children's ministry is just growing and trying to teach 25 like fourth and fifth graders in a little room is it's impossible you can't learn anything so okay next slide so uh matthew we're still going to meet during the second service we're still going to do things with the arabic fellowship we want to stay connected so we're going to do fifth sunday potlucks together we're going to clean together we're going to do outreach together stuff like that living well class we're just moving locations we're still going to focus on fellowship and hospitality. We're still going to focus uh, uh, on discipleship and Bible studies. That's like who we are. We're going to begin to focus on evangelism and testimony also. That's going to, that's part of our Ruth series coming up. Ruth finds herself out in the field as part of the harvest here pretty soon. So we're going to, we're going to be talking about those things. Um, and then is there another, what's the next slide? Okay, yeah, so principally speaking, as we launch the Arabic Fellowship, like should, like some of you may be wondering, am I supposed to go with Arabic Fellowship? Am I supposed to stay in living well? Like we've all been one big group kind of, at least on Sunday mornings. And here's the principle, but now hath God set the members, everyone in the body as it has pleased him. Okay, so the principle is don't move from where God has you unless you absolutely know that God is moving you. So if you've been part of the Saturday Arabic fellowship group, you need to, that's where God has you as part of the Arabic fellowship. If you're not part of that group, if you're part of like just living well on Sundays, then you want to stay 
Now, if God's moving you to do what, then you do whatever he's leading you. Yes, Lord, is the, the right answer. That's always the right answer. Okay. But otherwise, just stay where you've been planted. So, um, all right. So I think that's it. What's the next slide for me? Okay. Yeah. So now let's, let's get into Ruth. So open your Bibles to the book of Ruth. I want, we want to learn something from Ruth this morning, and then we're going to talk about it as in our small groups. What we saw last week in Ruth chapter one, we saw that that <clears throat> Ruth, okay, so Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, she kissed her daughter-in-law's goodbye. Orpah kissed her back and left. Naomi, I'm sorry, Ruth, she clung to Naomi. Remember that? She clung. She cleaved. She would not let go. All right. And, and then Ruth had a strong love. She cleaved and would not let go despite the fact, okay, that she was being pushed away by the people that she loved. She loved strongly despite the fact that there was peer pressure. Okay, her peer group was only one other person, Orpah, but 100% of her peer group went back. Ruth did not. She loved strong. She cleaved despite hopeless circumstances. She was a widow. Okay, she had loved and lost. So despite great personal loss, Ruth refused to go back. She, but despite poverty, despite prejudice, despite all these things that are wrong, that a lot of people would have at that point left. Okay, Ruth cleaved. So, okay, so so next slide. What's that mean? It means to grab hold of, to adhere to, to cling to. All right. So, someone's trying to get away, and you're not letting them get away. You got a hold of them, or you're following that closely. So, Ruth was a cleaver. All right. So go to the next slide. We we saw that Ruth was a cleaver. All right, so there, there's Ruth the Cleaver. All right, now. So here's what we want to see this week. So Ruth, she trusted God. She's the only woman in the Bible who's called virtuous. Did you know that? Like Proverbs, a virtuous woman who can find, well, I can. I mean, Christine is a virtuous one. Okay. But in the Bible, I just turned to the book of Ruth, and we find a, a virtuous woman, and, and it's because she loved strongly. Her faith caused her to be someone who, who didn't love weak and didn't, you know, let herself get pushed away or convinced by other things. And so just by way of introduction, trusting God is easy until it isn't easy. And that's when our, our faith really gets put to the test. When it isn't easy to trust him, will we still trust him? So we saw, we, we see Ruth doing this. And so look, look at with me, let's read verses 16 through 19. And, the, and there's a pattern we're going to see, but here's what it says. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or 
to return from following after thee, and I'll just, just say right here real quick, isn't it interesting that those are two different things? She said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. We'll figure out why those are different things. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord does do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she, that's Naomi, saw that she, that's Ruth, was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So the two went un until they came to Bethlehem. Okay, so, so that's our passage for this morning, and I'm going to be presenting that there's a, a pattern in that. Okay, so here's the, here's the pattern in Ruth. First of all, just jumping ahead to Ruth chapter 2, verse 12, Boaz says to Ruth, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now, Boaz is saying this to Ruth, and in the context, he's like, hey, everybody knows how you're taking care of Naomi, how you're loving on Naomi, how you're, how you're being faithful to her. The Lord recompense that work, a full reward, because everybody knows that you've come to trust okay, under the shadow. So, so Ruth's trust in God caused her to love and take care of Naomi. And that's what we're seeing here. And this is part of our pattern, is that Ruth trusted in God. Then she cleaved to Naomi and followed Naomi. So the pattern is trust, cleave, and follow. Now, just so you know, I'm not making stuff up. We see this pattern elsewhere in Scripture. Hezekiah. In 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5 and 6, he was one of the good kings, Hezekiah. Look at what this says. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. Okay, go to the next slide for me. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel, just like Ruth came to trust under the shadow of his wing. He clave to the Lord, just like Ruth clave to Naomi, and he departed not from following him, but kept his commandments. Now, if we, now, as just an example, you can go through scripture. Christ, he did that. He, he trusted in God the Father. He he came to earth and, and it doesn't say he clave, but, but he wouldn't let go of the thing that God had have him to do. He followed God, even the God, the father. So the son followed the father, even to the cross. And so, so if we look at this verse, the verse six starts with the word for, okay, because of this. Okay. So he trusted the Lord God of Israel. Well, how did he trust? Ah, oh, here's how he trust. For he clave to the Lord. He grabbed on and would not let go, even when it's hard. 
and departed not from following him, but kept the commandments. And so, so there's our pattern. And the first thing we want to see is that trusting God includes cleaving to him. Now, you don't have to cleave to the Lord when everything's easy and your will and your ideas line up perfectly with God's will and God's ideas. But when God calls you to do something that you, wasn't your plan, not your idea, what are you going to do then? Will you trust him when it's hard to trust him? Because trusting God is easy until it's not easy anymore. God leads you to do something that you're not comfortable with. Well, are you going to trust him? Are you going to cleave to him? Because what if it, what if God calls you to do something you don't want to do? You know what you have to do during those times? You have to cleave unto him. You got to grab on tight and say, God, I, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you anyway. God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to trust you anyway. I remember when Christine and I, uh, we, were, we had just started giving regularly, okay? Monthly giving to the church. We had just gone through discipleship. We're like, oh, we should be a part of making sure there's, the light bill gets paid. We, we should be giving regularly. And it came time to write the check. And if we gave to the church, we were not going to be able to pay our rents. We were in medical school. We were living just down the street at 39th and Rainbow. And um, so we had the discussion. Well, if if we do this, it's it's faith because we're we don't have any money. We're we're pretty poor. So we just did it. Like, well, God said to do it. We tried living our lives our way, and it just wasn't any fun. Amen. Yeah, okay. So what are, what are we going to do? Here's our options. We could not do what the Lord had led us to do. Or we could do what the Lord led us to do and then just put our faith in that he would provide. So he said, I will provide all your needs according to my riches and glory. I'm like, well, okay, we'll just put that to the test, I guess. So we wrote out our, our, our check, our monthly giving. It was probably like $20 or something. I don't know, was it? But, and then God just provided. And we got a surprise, like bank error in your favor. And, and, and I, I was just like, I'm like, well, God, I don't know what we're going to do. And he's like, go check that little travel, um, like a little travel notebook that we had taken a trip one time. And I, I'm like, I think I put some money in the back of that thing. And there's 120 bucks in the back of that, in the sleeve of the book. Like, like God just provided miraculously everything that we needed, but it was easy to give until we weren't gonna be able to pay our bills. So what were we, what did, we had to cleave unto God. Does that make sense? Okay, so, and then, so you cleave unto God. And then, and then the next point, Trusting in God includes following him. We have to cleave unto God, and then we have to stay in that place of, of following him. And so the, I, we read the verse, and it said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. And I just would suggest this. It's possible to be with someone, but not actually following them. And I know there's 
churches full of people. I'm not saying us, but there's churches full of people and they show up every week. They are there, but they're not following. They haven't left the church, but they're not actively following after God in faith. Does that make sense? So we can be part of God's family. We can say yes to him. We can, we can cleave unto him for salvation. But then at some point, we just stop following him. And, and, and this is what Ruth's example gives us. Ruth's example of cleaving and following Naomi without departing includes putting her relationship with Naomi above the most important things in life. So I'll put that in quotes. So we just read it. Ruth was willing to give up her family and friends at home to follow after Naomi, wasn't she? She had to leave. If you're going to go somewhere, you have to leave somewhere. So she left her family. She left her friends. She was willing to give up her will, her way. She's like, well, wherever you go, I'll go. Well, where do you want to go, Ruth? I'm just going to follow you. Whatever you want. That's what I want. Where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people shall be my people. Ruth had really kind of surrendered her will to Naomi, didn't she? She didn't have conditions and demands and expectations. And, and she didn't anticipate that, that Naomi was going to do a bunch of favors. She didn't hold on to any grudges. She just said, I'll just do whatever, whenever, wherever, however. She gave up her possessions and her property. She was entering into a widow's life, a destitute life in the nation of Israel. She gave up her lodging and her life itself. You know, where there's nothing for us in Israel. Okay, well, I'll just go die with you. Where you're buried, I'll be buried. Like, she didn't actually say that. She's where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. So here's the application. Cleaving unto one thing means we have to let go of all other things. For Ruth to cleave to Naomi, she had to let go of all that other stuff. So for us, personal application, to cleave unto God, we must let go of the things of world, the things of self. So how many of you have taken MBT's cost of discipleship class? Oh, like a bunch of people. Okay, the cost of discipleship class takes you to Luke chapter 14. And turn there with me real quick, Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33, Jesus tells this big multitude of people that are following him. Like there's a lot of people following Jesus, okay? He gives three reasons why people cannot be his disciple, okay? So, I mean, Jesus wants everyone to follow him. He's got this giant multitude. Look at it. Look, look in, um, let's see, verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and he said unto them, okay, so verse 26, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Look at verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot 
be my disciple. Three times, there's three different things that Jesus points out that keeps people from actually, so look, they're with him. They haven't departed at that point, but they're not following after him. Why not? Well, there's three things. First of all, family affection in verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yea, okay, so it's like Mother's Day and I'm preaching like, that's horrible. Did not like plan that on purpose. Okay. Nobody should be hateful toward their families. We know that's not what he's talking about. But, you know, people, if you prefer one person over another in scripture, it's called you're, you're, you're loving on the one and you're hating on the other. Like that's, that's what that's talking about. So we would never be hateful to the people in our family, like Christians, that, that wouldn't ever even cross our minds. However, we do have to prefer God. And, and I guarantee you, the majority of people in this room, you probably had to have uncomfortable conversations with your parents, with your siblings. Hey, I'm going to start going to church. I remember, Dad, your story, that when you told your dad, that, that you were going to start going to church on Sundays, that he said he was going to go beat up the preacher. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? I, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm going to start going to church. And then the response, I'm going to go beat up the preacher. because. And he was a boxer. He could have done it. Yeah. Yeah. So you may have had to have those conversations with people. No, I'm I'm actually gonna follow the Lord and and um if people don't like it and they don't understand, that's that's part of it. So but so here here this would be the question, I guess. What if God's plan for your life includes you having to have an awkward conversation with your family who you love? Will you cleave unto him and will you follow him? Will you do it anyway, even though it's awkward, even though it's hard? Churches are full of people who are there. They haven't left, but they aren't willing to put God before their family. We, we had a young lady just leave our church for that reason. She wasn't willing to have that conversation. Okay, verse 27, we see that self... Okay, so God has a will, a perfect will, and a perfect plan for your life. And that's so exciting. Okay, God is for you, and he has his plan. And, and we all get warm fuzzies when we think about that. Until his will and plan for your life is different than your will and plan for your life. Here's what it says in verse 27 of Luke 14. And whosoever doth not bear his cross... And come after me cannot be my disciple. So it's easy to follow God's will and plan for my life until it doesn't line up with my will and plan for my life. And we always want to control like the outcomes. Well, God, if I follow you, that's not safe for me. He's like, yeah, I know. When, was, when did Christianity ever become safe? Look at world history. Look, look, look at church history. It's never been safe. It's never been popular. It's never been easy. 
I don't know where we got that. But anyway, so, so here's the thing. Churches are full of people who are still there. They haven't left. But they, 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 they didn't catch that, take up my cross. So this is a conversation sometimes in counseling that maybe you're going to be talking to someone and they're struggling with a decision. Maybe let's say this. Let's say that the person you're talking to is being mistreated unfairly. Here's the question you can ask them. Okay. If this is God's plan for your life, that you're going to get treated unfairly. Is God enough? Can you just trust him with your life, even if it's not fair, even if you don't like it? If this is what God wants, is he enough? Can you just let go of control and just let's go make disciple, right? That's the question. Okay, finally, verse 33. One of the conditions that keeps people from following Christ is listed out in verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Okay, does that mean you sell everything and, and write a check and give it to the church? No, do not do that. Steward your own lives, your own stuff for his glory. Okay, you, you need to steward your life for God's glory. Don't don't just like give everything to the church. However, the mentality is is everything is God's. If He calls me to the mission field, and it requires me being like the Moravians, selling everything I have, and they, they would sell themselves into indentured servitude on the ship to get across the sea, so they could go and they would just go and work and start businesses and. Oldest trading company in Amsterdam, last I checked, was still started by the Moravians who just went there, and they're just very industrious, just working hard, whatever the mission requires. But stuff didn't keep them from doing what God would have, have them to do. So these are the three conditions. Same thing that Ruth had. Family, will, possessions, property, safety, comfort, ease, pleasure. Are we willing, are, are those, those are the things that keep us from following like God would have us to do. So here's what I want to do. We've got plenty of time. I would just say, let's break up into small groups. Now, okay, hang on. I got, yeah, there is this. So in, in Luke 14, 31, okay, go, go back a slide. We have two examples in, in Luke. I was gonna, I, I kind of forgot about them. But the first one is, which one of you who intends to build a tower doesn't take inventory first? Which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he hath have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation, he is not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him. Like, oh, you're the guy who built half a tower. Ah, like, no, I mean, just, I wouldn't mock you if you did that, but it'd be tempting to do so. I might actually do it. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish it. Like, don't start following Jesus without first looking at those three. Unless you do this, you cannot be my disciples, what he's saying. Because you'll get halfway through. And after you've told all your friends and all your family and all your coworkers that you're serious about following Christ, you get halfway into it. 
and then you quit. You're like, whatever happened to that Jesus thing you were doing? Whatever happened to that religion you found? Whatever happened to that discipleship thing you started? You're like, well, it's just causing family strife. So it, I just, you know, it was costing me my fishing time. It, didn't want to give up my Saturday business income, like whatever it is. Like, don't, this is why we cover this in the cost of discipleship, because you want to count that cost before you start, because otherwise we get halfway, like wearing the cross necklace, and then now six months later, I'm, I'm not following him anymore. That's what we want to avoid. Or so, so the second illustration of this is the, the guy, the king who's getting ready to go to war. Okay, so go to the next slide for me. What king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. This is the guy who, who is outnumbered by the enemy and isn't willing to fight to the death for his cause the king so he he sees he's outnumbered and he's like i'll just compromise i'll just make peace with the enemy so the first one the guy didn't actually count the cost and this one the guy the king isn't willing to fight a battle that he's not clearly able to win and just for our sakes we're outnumbered you can't fight the devil you can't in and of yourself do anything but yet god wants us to you know yea though he slay me yet will i follow should be our mentality we trust that go back to hezekiah too he'd be a good example on that so how god provided but those are just examples out of this passage in luke chapter 14 on that so let's do this let's break up into our small groups and, and here's the question um what is god showing you this morning and then how could you respond to it that those would be questions to help guide our small groups, and then and then if you if no one could think of anything to to discuss, then just look at these three different areas, and we could just is there something in there that would be holding me back, like in terms of not just you know not leaving, I'm not going anywhere, but that does am I following like Ruth did, cleaving and following? So we got about we'll do about. Um, 20 minutes of small group time. And what you'll want to do is just kind of turn your chairs a little bit into small groups. And at the end, I'll, I'll gather us back up. If there's something in your small groups that everybody needs to hear, maybe, maybe be ready to just present that in a minute or so.